Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. My name is Jessica. I have a blog called Homegrown Food and Flowers. I'm a vendor at my local farmer's market. I've been gardening for a very long time, and my mission is to inspire you to grow, to help you learn something new, even if you've been growing for a long time as well, and to get out there and find the most joy you can in your garden and grow food and flowers for you and your family and maybe even your neighbor. We have been chatting all of January about garden planning and some of the methods behind it, some of the things to keep in mind, some of the mistakes to try to avoid. And today we're going to put it into more of an action step episode where you get to apply some of these things and learn something new. So we're talking about frost dates and how that's going to influence your growing season. But before I jump into that, I want to kind of put everything together that we've been talking about over these last few weeks. And I want you, because when you build out your planting calendar, it can be a little bit analytical and a little bit, um, you can get really lost in the sauce with it of trying to figure out your exact dates. And if I miss this date, then everything's ruined. And and that's what I want to avoid. And so I want you to remember that planted is better than perfect, that we talked about earlier this month. And don't get so caught up in the details that you don't plan anything because you can't figure it out or you get stuck or frustrated or anything like that. Just go out there and plant something. You're also going to remember that you don't need to grow everything. And so choose the things you want to grow. This is also something I talked about in the past weeks where it can be so tempting to grow everything, build more and more garden beds and feel like you just you've got to plant it all. And that will quickly lead to overwhelm, to burnout, to produce ripening or flowers blooming that you can't really do anything with. And so scale it back if you need to so that everything stays manageable and you can keep the fun in the process. And then lastly, you're going to remember that there is always next year. So if you miscalculate a planting date or a frost comes and kills everything or you miss a planting date that, you know, whoops, I should have planted those a week ago. It's not the end of the world. You'll make a note of it, put it in your garden journal, like I'm always telling you guys, because you won't remember later, and then just try again next year. If these three things that I just brought up are totally new to you and you haven't heard them, jump back to episodes uh, 39, 40, and 41, where we've been talking all about garden planning and putting some cheerleading in there because garden planning is super fun, but there's a lot to think about. Um, And then today, like I said, we're going to put it into place. We're going to talk about your frost dates. We'll talk about how they're different than zones. We'll talk about how to make a planting calendar for yourself. Some little tips and tricks to keep in mind along the way so that by the end, if you haven't already downloaded the freebie that I've been talking about the last few weeks, go grab that. It's got the calendar. You can put everything we're going to talk about into action and have all of your seed starting dates, your sowing dates written down at a glance so that you've got your season ready to go. Okay, so frost dates. What are they? How are they different than zones? Because I know that this can be a big confusion point, especially for newer gardeners. So your frost dates, think of them like the bookends of your growing season. One bookend is in the spring one bookend is in the fall. And the spring one is called your last spring frost. That's the last time in the spring that your local climate should get below freezing. And then in the fall, 
you have your first fall frost, which is the first time in that season that your temperatures should drop from your summer highs down into freezing temperatures. And the reason these are so important is because this really dictates what and when you plant so that nothing dies, because there are plants that are more cold tolerant, frost tolerant, hardy, that can be planted early and make it through those freezing temperatures just fine into the summer. And then there are other plants called tender annuals or heat-loving plants, um, summer annuals. There are all kinds of names for them, little nicknames, that if you plant them too early or too late where they bump into those freezing temperatures, then they're going to die. So everything in between those two frost dates is your growing season. And briefly, these this, these dates are different than zones in kind of a big way, actually, but they off, they sometimes get used interchangeably. So a zone, a USDA zone, is a classification given to your area of how low your lowest temperatures usually get. So I am in zone 8, and that means that my lowest winter temperatures are typically in the 15 to I think it's 20 degree range. And so I to get five degrees would be extremely uncommon here because that's just not the zone that I'm in. And the zone doesn't dictate when you get your frost dates or when that coldest temperature comes, just that it would at some point in the winter occur in my area. And so zones are important when you're choosing plants that can survive your winter temperatures but they don't have anything to do with when it's okay to plant your tomatoes out or when your zinnias need to go out or how many weeks before your last spring frost to plant your snap peas, nothing like that. So your zone just refers to the coldest it's ever going to get in your area and your frost dates refer to when you're going to get your first freezing temperature. I really, really hope that makes sense. I have an article on my blog talking about this, so I will link that to give you a couple images and and visuals of like the zone map and stuff um, and the site I use to find my frost date, which we're going to talk about in just a second, uh, so that if all of that explanation was confusing, you'll have something to read. I'm quite certain I can find a good YouTube video about it as well from some of my favorite YouTubers, and I'll link that too, uh, just to make sure you've got the resources you need to make it make sense. Okay, so back to frost dates. Your last spring frost and your first fall frost, you can find both of those if you don't know where they what they are for your area. You can find them very easily online. There are you can google it, but my two favorite ones, well my most favorite one is called Dave's Garden, and I find this to be the most accurate for all the places I've lived. Farmers Almanac is a very trusted resource as well. I don't find that one to be quite as accurate for me, so I don't use it. But again, I'll link both. You can check them out both. Check both of them out so that you can see what jives best with what you have noticed in your area. So for me, where I'm at in Western Oregon, zone eight for reference, um, when I type in my zip code on Dave's Garden, it tells me that my last spring frost should be expected around April 15th. And my first fall frost should be expected around November 1st. And if this is your first episode 
first off, hello. And secondly, I just moved to this property in June of 23. So I haven't been here for a full year yet. I have not experienced spring here, only the fall frost. And the fall frost was on time. We got it October 28th, and that's just three days off of the estimation of November 1st. But my neighbors on this street tell me that our last spring frost is more likely the beginning of May, May 1st, May 4th-ish, you know, right around in there, which is obviously two weeks later than what the internet has to tell me. So I, it remains to be seen what it will be this year, but I know that I am in a little microclimate for what the internet says, probably because I'm more rural. Um, I'm not right in town where I'm assuming they're getting the temperature and data from. And so this brings me to my point of keep an eye on what your little microclimate has to say compared to the internet. Because if you go Google it, you type in your zip code, you get your frost dates and you say, cool, awesome, this is what it is. There's a little more nuance to it where all that frost date that you're getting that estimate is based off of the historical data for your area, you know, say the last 50 years of spring frost or the last 50 years of fall frosts, and then an average is generated. And that's awesome. And it's a super handy starting point. But if you can talk to somebody who lives next to you, across the street from you, half a mile from you, go chat with them. Uh, If you live close to, you know, say a nursery or your extension office or where your farmer's market is held, that's also going to be a really valuable resource because they're obviously closer to you than the internet is. And you might be able to ask them about some of the little quirks of your area. So total little side note, but just something to keep in mind. There is local climate variation with these dates and they are very helpful. You will get a lot of use out of these dates, but just keep in mind, it's not written in stone. It's going to vary from year to year, you know, where there are surprise late frosts or early frosts that you just kind of have to roll with and figure out how to maneuver with. And we'll talk about that a little bit in this episode. This one, this episode might be a little bit longer because there's a lot of information about planning and growing seasons and frost dates. And I want to pass on all the little tips that I've learned over the years. So buckle in, baby, as they say. Alrighty. So why does it even matter? Well, I hinted on it a little bit earlier as far as your frost dates are going to tell you when you can plant things. And when you look at a seed packet, all of your seed packets are going to say start indoors X weeks before last frost or so outdoors X weeks after last frost, some variation of that, however many weeks before or after a frost date. And so you need all that information to know when to sow your seeds, whether you're starting indoors or you're direct sowing out into the garden or some combination thereof. It's like the kickoff to your season. And you may have even actually seen a bunch of YouTube channels and videos popping up in your feed of sow this in January, 10 seeds to start in February, all that. And that's because the varieties and the plants that they're talking about need that planting range and those number of weeks before or after the frost to in order to survive, to get to the right size for transplanting, to have enough weeks to actually mature in your climate. Um, and so just like they're doing, We, meaning like the garden educators, are prepping you so that you know when to start your seeds. That's why these frost dates are so important. Okay, so let's say you've got your frost dates now. You went, you paused me, you went and Googled it, you figured out what your last spring frost is going to be. 
Now what you're going to do with it is you are going to write that down somewhere and then you are going to look at all of the plants that you want to grow or start from seed and start tracking down how many weeks before or after that frost date you are being recommended to plant these plants or these seeds. Let me give you an example. For tomatoes, we'll say. I know that I can look at a a seed packet to do this, but I know it because I've grown tomatoes for forever. They need eight to 10 weeks indoors to grow before I transplant them out. And where I live, I don't have a long enough season that I can plant them from seed straight out in the garden. I have to start them indoors if I want to get plant or get tomatoes. So they need eight to 10 weeks of indoor growth. I know that tomatoes will not survive through a spring frost, so I can only plant them out after that last frost has happened. And for this example, we're going to say May 1st because it's a nice, easy round number to work with. So my last spring frost is May 1st. I'm going to count back eight to 10 weeks from May 1st, sorry, (laughs) to figure out when to start those seeds, which I should have looked this up. Uh, I'm going to look it up right now. Hold on. Okay, I'm back. February 20th. I counted back eight weeks from May 1st. February 20th is when I could theoretically start my tomatoes indoors. That will give them 10 weeks to grow before I transplant them. If I only want to give them eight weeks, I'll do it two weeks later. That growing time is where I am taking advantage of an indoor seed starting station or a grow rack in my light in my garage with lights on it or in a closet, wherever I can find that's going to be warm and protected in order to start these seeds. I will plant them out a week after May 1st. And you might wonder, why are you planting them out a week later if your last spring frost is May 1st? Well, I'm doing it for two reasons. One is, like I've said before, oh, mama nature, she likes to surprise us. And sometimes you'll get a snap frost in the spring where you think everything's good, you think you're past it all, and then boom, you get 30 degrees overnight and your garden frosts over. So I want to provide myself a little bit of insurance against that to buffer, to give a little bit of a buffer for when I plant out. And then the second reason is I need to harden off my seedlings. And I'm not going to dive deep into hardening off right now. We're going to talk about that in a future episode. But basically, I need to transition my seedlings from their nice, cozy, protected indoor environment to the harsher light, wind, temperature swings, all that of outdoors. So I'll use that that week where I'm going to give myself the buffer of no surprise frosts and to harden them off before I plant them out. So on my calendar, I'm going to make a note of February 20th, start tomato seeds. February 20th to, you know, say the 27th, the 30th, so that I give myself that eight to 10 week range. And then I'm also going to mark on my calendar on somewhere between May 1st and 8th, I'm going to be doing that hardening off process and transplanting them out. On the other hand, to give you another example, let's say I'm growing snap peas, which are cold tolerant and can deal with those lower temperatures. I can plant those out four to six weeks before my last spring frost, which means I can take my pea seed, put it straight in the ground, March 20th. I counted that one too while I had you paused. On March 20th, I can plant out. I could never do that with a tomato. That would mean no tomatoes for me. 
but I know that my snap peas are cold tolerant, so I can do it with them. If I wanted even earlier snap peas, I could start them indoors around March 1st, give them a few weeks to grow indoors, and then start hardening them off and transplanting them out around that March 20th date that I just gave. That's if I want to stretch the season. So I really hope this is making sense. That line in the sand date of your frost is going to influence when you start your seeds indoors, how much time you need to give them to grow, what can you direct. So in the garden, even before that frost has happened, it's, it's like I said, it's making a schedule of how your season's going to go, all those steps you need to take to stand back in June and say, wow, my garden is fully planted out. Everything survived. Everything's looking great and on track to mature and give me flowers, give me food, herbs, all that good stuff. And if I'm nervous that some of you are like, oh my gosh, Jess, this is too many dates. I'm out. Bye. If it's feeling confusing, go get the freebie. It's totally going to help to see it. I've got notes in there. I've got explanation. It's got a PDF where I'm giving you all of these numbers so that it's not just, you know, you visualizing in your head and you can look at it. And if you're confused, email me. Happy to answer questions via email. Um, Yeah, I don't want you to be confused, but I also want to get this information out. So you're going to use these dates to organize your season, organize your seed starting, and get your calendar ready to go so that it's... January 29th. It's the day before this episode's coming out. And for example, to give you more examples, I started seeds yesterday, which I know probably sounds really early because I was just talking about February and March. But I'm doing that because I'm in a slightly different position where I'm selling plants at my farmer's market. And so I need to start them a little bit earlier than some things. But I'm also stretching the season through crop protection and row covers and my hoop house and stuff like that. So I am only starting things that can survive these frosts. So I started out kale, I started out bok choy, broccoli, all the cold hardy crops that you can also plant in the fall. And we've talked about that a ton with fall gardening. Um, But in no way did I start my tomatoes, my peppers, nothing like that, because it's just not time for them yet. By the time they need to go out, it'll still be too cold. Chances are we'll get another frost. So I'm only doing my cold hardy plants right now or cold hardy flowers that take forever and a day to mature enough to actually bloom, you know, those hundred plus day maturities or like my snapdragons that are very cold hardy. Okay, one other tip I want to give, and this is again referencing back to this is a lot of these are a lot of dates. This is a lot of information. If you are thinking this is too much, I don't want to do this. I just want a small, simple garden that I can enjoy my first time around. Totally cool. I would rather that you plant three little flowers and call it good for the season and have fun rather than planting 50 things and half of them die and the other half struggle and you say, gardening's not for me. I'm not interested anymore. So if you want a super easy ballpark um, rule of thumb, then just wait until after your last frost date, direct sow in the garden, Go to your farmer's market or your nursery or your big box store. Go get your seedlings and pop them in the garden. And that's going to make it super simple, very straightforward. You can have your garden planted in a weekend and you won't have to mess with starting indoors or juggling your, you know, weeks of growth and transplanting and all that stuff. That is a an absolutely fine way to grow 
if that's what you need this year. So don't listen to this whole episode and think, oh my gosh, she's making it so complicated or I don't have the bandwidth for this right now. No problem. Just go plant something. I always talk about that. You guys know this. Just go plant something. So I want to chat just briefly about the back end of your frost dates, which is your first fall frost. And this matters because this is also going to influence what you're planting when in the spring. And it kind of gives you an idea of how much you can cram into your season if that's your goal, which it's my personal goal to grow as much food this year as I can because we moved, you know, mid-season last year and my garden was just off. And so I am chomping at the bit to just pack my garden full of plants that I can eat, that the pollinators can eat, that my kids can eat. And I just can't wait. Um, I've been yakking about this for weeks now. In any case, in the fall, you are going to run up against that other bookend that we talked about of when temperatures are going to drop from, hey, this is okay, my zinnias can make it, to it's 30 degrees, they are now brown mush because they froze and they are fully dead. And the reason, let's see, to make it super straightforward, the reason this matters is because of if you want to plant a little bit later in the season, you know, say say you moved in June too. Here we go. Perfect example. This is what happened to me last year. Moved in June, got my garden beds built and, you know, figured out and everything. And I knew I had at that point, I can't think of the exact date right now, but maybe three months, we'll say, before my first fall frost was going to happen. And so I knew it was too late unless I found plants, which I did. It was too late to start tomatoes from seed at that point. Or I knew that if I wanted, you know, say, well, sorry, stumbling over my words. If I wanted my sunflowers to bloom, I needed to get them in the ground like right now in order for them to have the number of days that they need in order to mature before that frost would come and kill them. So I say this for two reasons. If you're finding me in the future and it's July and you're listening to this, you're going to use your first fall frost to count backwards and see how much growing season you have left. And this is going to tell you, can you still squeeze in something with 100 days to maturity? Or are you going to squeeze in lettuce and radish and cilantro and maybe a beet that has a much shorter days to maturity than something like yarrow or hollyhocks or tomatoes that won't make it before your season is done. Now, one tip I want to give here, if you are trying to think of ways to extend your season, if you've counted out your growing days and it's just not enough for what you want to grow, or you have a goal to produce year round, or you know you just want to manipulate the growing season that you've got, you can always use season extension methods in order to do that. And back in episode 25, I talked about two of my favorite ways to use season extension, and those are low tunnels and row covers. Very easy to DIY, super inexpensive. And what this does is it keeps the colder weather off of your plants. It doesn't, for these two methods in particular, it doesn't necessarily raise the temperature around them to something like where you're in a, um, you know, like a heated greenhouse or something like that. But instead, it keeps the plants dry so that those ice crystals that form during a frost don't 
land on your plants and then damage the leaves or kill them outright. So with something like a row cover, you put a little hoop over your garden bed and then you drape over that some sort of either fabric or plastic, depending uh, on what you're looking for. And that will buy you, say, two to three weeks of time on either end of your season, meaning in the spring or in the fall. And this is a really awesome way to get your plants out a little bit earlier or say those tomatoes that I talked about, how they need to go out after the last spring frost. Sometimes I really have to slow down when I say that so I'm not confusing it with first fall frost. And so maybe I try planting them out on May 1st instead of giving myself that weak buffer because I have a little bit of an insurance policy of that season extension. Now, this is easily done. You can definitely play with it, even if this is your first year gardening, but you totally don't have to. This can be something that you tackle in your second or your third year where you are a little more comfortable and familiar with what your climate is doing so that you found that nuance that we talked about of the internet says, according to my zip code, this is my frost date, but my neighbors tell me it's this date. Maybe you work within those parameters first, and then you learn how to manipulate it and how to buy yourself a few more weeks on either end to expand your growing season. Alrighty. I really hope all that makes sense. Like I said before, if it doesn't, email me. I'm happy to answer any questions. Download the calendar that I put up there for you. It's going to put it all in black and white and make it super simple so that once you go and Google your zip code and figure out when your frost dates are, you can write that at the top of the PDF planning page and then find what you want to grow. Look for lettuce. You'll see on there that it says you can plant it out this many weeks before your, I just had to stop and think, before your last spring frost. Use that to count backwards and know, okay, I need to start my lettuce seeds on February 28th. For an example, I'm just pulling that date out. You know, it depends on your season. And then I'm going to let it grow indoors for four weeks and then I'm going to plant it out after I've hardened it off. Never forget to harden off your plants. Chances are they'll die if you just take them from warm and cozy out into the elements. And then you will be able to look at the next vegetable of melons. Are you growing cantaloupes this year, watermelons, whatever it is? They have a different growing season than lettuce. You're going to need to start those indoors early enough to then transplant them out after your last spring frost. So each plant is individual. You can work in like groupings of plant families, like all melons and squash together, or all greens like lettuce and spinach and arugula and endive and stuff like that, or all of your kale crops, not kale, coal crops, your brassicas together. Um, but each plant is going to have its requirements for when it is safe to plant it out, how many weeks it needs to grow indoors and whether or not it can make it through those frosts unprotected. Okay, lots and lots of talking. I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.